Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast on a Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021, which also means... It is my 42nd birthday. I am officially twice the legal drinking age, which is insane, which means, yeah, it'll be daddy's sort of time for me tonight, probably around 6 p.m. Eastern time. I will have quite a few, at least a couple, right? It's only a Tuesday night, but I'll have a couple. Speaking of a couple, I have a couple of absolute studs on today's show. As always... Emery Hunt, who's known for being the czar of football game plan on YouTube, at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, and just came out with his unbelievable draft guide. I've already started to dive into it. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Make sure you get yourself a copy like I did. And our guest today to dive into wide receivers, which is an area he likes to really look at and specialize in, especially since his team, who just won the Super Bowl, you might have heard of it, has like six awesome wide receivers. My buddy, Stephen Che, from the Going Deep podcast with Willie Colon, Joey Molinero, and yes, of Tampa Bay Buccaneers fame. I always forget this, by the way, Stephen. Yeah, you you live in Jersey. How did you become a Bucks fan? So my dad uh, immigrated here from Hong Kong when he was eighteen, uh, and he likes the Jets and the Giants equally. I don't know if that's something that um, always that's, that, but he, you that's know. actually that, that that is not allowed. That is not okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I refuse to root for one of those teams, even at like you know eight or nine years old. I was like, all right pick one who who you're rolling with and he's like we like both and I was like no that that's not it so had to pick someone totally different and uh won a Super Bowl fairly early I started following the team in 97 they're an exciting team beat the 49ers um very fun guys to play in video games the Warwick Dunn Mike Allstott uh very good defense and then um you know things started rolling won a Super Bowl early in my tenure um and then you know it's been a cold long 13 years but the payoff was very worth it yeah, I bet, man. Uh, I could talk, honestly, Emery, I could talk the whole podcast 
just about this Bucks team, and I might even get your thoughts on uh, Chris Godwin as we move along here. But there's a lot of good receivers in this draft. I should mention, by the way, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on all the social media platforms, and we are at Ross Tucker Pod. I will just say this, though, Stephen. I, I said all offseason that I don't think people understand the conscious or even subconscious impact of the Bucks having Tom Brady as their quarterback and the Patriots no longer having Tom Brady as their quarterback. And the only thing I said, Emery, was that when you're when Brady's your quarterback, and this is New England, 05, 06, you know you're going to win the game. Like, and sometimes you don't, but in your mind, you're going to win the game. Whereas other quarterbacks you have, like you hope or you think you're going to win, like with Brady, you know. And honestly, I've seen so many quotes now, Stephen, from different Bucks players who basically essentially said that. Like, it, it's like they just, well, we're going to win when you got Brady. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't want to say a problem with the team, but they have so many good players but they're all very young and none of them have won really i mean jason peter paul and like guys that have been imported yet but they're homegrown guys like levante david has been one of the best players in the league despite what the nfl top 100 or the pro bowl uh will tell you has been one of the best players in the league for you know the past eight nine years um but he's a guy who's never even been to the playoffs um so you know you have guys that are homegrown that have never seen success mike evans another tremendous player who's been there seven years never been to the playoffs and now they have a guy who comes in and Bruce Arians has said this? Yeah, they, we they had the talent, but they just needed someone to show them they could win. And yeah, you're right. They've all referenced like, you know, if it's close, well, we got Tom, and you know that's how fans think. It's like, well, you know, Tom Brady's going to lead him to win. You know, true enough. Uh, that's how the guys on the field feel too, and uh, that kind of permeates. Meanwhile, Emery, because I follow you on Twitter at Fball Game Plan. What's up with North Dakota State? I mean, before we get into the receivers, because there's a lot, and I love the categories you have, Emery. What's up with North Dakota State getting smoked? Man, they ain't getting smoked. They got stumped. Like, smoked is too nice of a word. Um, and it goes to show you their biggest threat comes from within their own uh, conference. And, you know, even though Southern Illinois is in the OVC, um, they play a lot of Missouri Valley Conference teams. And it's just amazing to see – a team like Southern Illinois, because if I would have had to guess a team that would beat North Dakota State, it would have been, you know, Youngstown State, South Dakota State, Illinois State. Um, but they went out there and got beat down. And it's funny to, to watch a team get confidence as the game goes on because you go from hoping to win to maybe we have a chance to, oh, no, we're about to really beat the brakes off these dudes and everybody's getting involved. And so it was complete team effort. And, and it shows you how one important uh, continuity is and how important the offseason is because they didn't really have an offseason to get their next quarterback ready to play. And he went out there like he started his first game ever in college. And that showed you out there on the field, a more experienced quarterback was able to go out there for Southern Illinois and lead them to victory. All right. So here's what we do on the college draft podcast, right? We break down the best college players what we've been doing recently, you can check out quarterbacks a couple weeks ago, running backs last week. Today, it is wide receiver day here on the College Draft Podcast. We're once a week, we're 30 minutes. We will get you ready for the 2021 NFL Draft. Here's the categories today. 
Split end flanker slot inside, most underrated, small school sleeper, biggest surprise. And all of these categories every week come courtesy of Emery. He is the star of this show. He's the guy that somehow ranks 894 players or whatever it is. It's crazy. I got to ask a question, though, right from the start, Emery. I'm not exactly sure. What in your mind is the difference between slot and inside? You know, it's it's funny because this is something that just started to, to really uh, separate when we were um, – uh, when I started to do this like five or six years ago, when I really started to say, hey, let's just break these down by position. And those bigger inside receivers, I, I use Marcus Colson as the model, right? He's not the fastest to play outside, although you can put him outside. He's not really shifty enough to be a true slot receiver where he's winning, you know, quickly uh, against zone coverage. But you want him running to where he's going to take that safety away. And so now the safety has to make a choice, especially if you have a, a dog on the outside man, do I get over top this dog on the outside or do I get over top this big, tall receiver or this physical receiver over the middle of the field? It usually attacks that seam area, that dig area. So it's almost like a tight split, uh, you know, that, you know, that's maybe like six inches or six feet off the uh, off the line of scrimmage, but not further out wide by the numbers. So it's a tight split type X uh, that could play inside. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. I, I figured I'd just ask you on the show because I know a bunch of the listeners would be like, wait a minute. What's the difference between slot and inside? That makes sense because it's weird to call a guy like with Colston's body type a slot receiver, even though that's what he did a lot mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Killed, by the way, Stevens' team. Every time they played, just murdered them. Uh, anyway, we'll get to that. By the way, he's tough because I'm a Hofstra guy. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, it's funny. Dude, this is the truth. Uh, Marcus is from like five minutes from where I live right now. Okay. Yeah, he went to Susquehanna Township High School. He actually hired me to broadcast one of his arena team's games, the Harrisburg Stampede. Marcus is like, "Hey, I'll pay you X to come to, to the Hershey Giant Center to call the Stampede." I'm like, "Dude, are you kidding me? If I can go ten minutes from my house <laughs> and do an indoor pro football game, like, let's do it!" Like, it was awesome. So, uh, he's a he's a very very bright guy, very bright guy. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and I think most people know this, Emery. But uh, one last point of clarity before we get to split end and flanker. Look, we get new listeners all the time. We appreciate the new listeners. Thank you for rating and subscribing. What's the difference between split end and flanker? Easiest way to describe it, Emery, in your mind. Easiest way would be split ends your number one. That's the guy that that is going to get that single coverage on the on one side of the field, on the side by the tackle, the the left tackle. That's his job. He's the one option in the in the passing game. He's just the best route runner on your football team. The flanker is just like the split in, but he may be a little bit more athletic, a little bit more fluid, a little bit more explosive. So think in terms of Jerry Rice, John Taylor, and that's the 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 model. You know, Jerry Rice is your split in. Uh, but could also be a flanker. Some guys can play any one of the three positions, but if you're talking about, you know, classic number one versus number two, let's even use a contemporary example. Dez Bryant in Dallas, Miles Austin in Dallas. Austin would be the flanker. Dez would be the split end. Dez the guy you want to go to in crunch time. You want the big play, you go to Miles Austin because he can catch a run and take it to the house. And just for people as they watch it, 
The flanker is off the ball, typically. He's to the tight end side, right? The split right. end is going to be on the ball uh, away from the tight end. All right, well, let's get to it then. Emery, who is your favorite split end in this draft and why? It's the Heisman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith, uh, out of Alabama, because, one, his routes are significantly improved over last season. He can win versus press. He explodes, He's explosive off the ball. Uh, he can win at all different levels of the field. And and we saw this play out this year. You know, he was able to handle the, the load, especially when Jalen Waddle got injured because Waddle, we talked about this earlier in the summer, how uh, Waddle was the best receiver on that football team. But, you know, now he had, now Smith had to go and work without Waddle's services and uh, they brought in a new guy and Billingsley to, to try to help, you know, alleviate some of the pressure. But Smith was the go-to guy in crunch time early in the game when he needed a big play. So he handled those number one roles fairly well this year. And we saw him just cap off a tremendous career with an outstanding championship game. So he's just, he is the most polished of that position, in my opinion, in this class. How concerned are you about uh, Sorry, Steve, I was going to say, it's funny, Emery, because Steve and I were texting a few weeks ago. I knew I wanted to get him on the show. I was like, what position group do you want to get into? He's like, receiver. I'm like, okay. Um, I said, any particular reason? Like, I don't think Devontae Smith is, should be a top 10 pick. So, Steven, you, you've got the floor now. Let's hear it. This is perfect. Yeah, I mean, hey, I think Devontae Smith is going to be a really good player. But when we look historically, especially recently at the draft, um, wide receivers typically are not top 10 picks. In the last five years, there's been one draft that has had a receiver take on the top 10. In fairness, that draft had three receivers take on the top 10. Um, but generally, it's not a, a position we see go early. And we see guys, uh, even last year, we saw a lot of value in second-round guys. Um, this year is, I would say, actually very, uh, I don't want to say like a fork in the road year, but we're starting to see a shift with just like the size in receivers. Devontae Smith, you know, I'll get into his size in a minute. We're seeing a lot of guys that are like 5'10", Five nine that are going to be probably day two and early day three picks. Um, but Devontae Smith is really interesting because, you know, the production is incredible. I mean, first uh, wide receiver to win a Heisman Trophy in 30 years uh, since Desmond Howard. Um, so he, he's, he's awesome. But when you look at guys that go in the top 10, these are freak shows. These are Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson, like Larry Fitzgerald, like enormous guys, um, X receivers who can separate, uh, win 50-50 balls, and can endure the typical punishment of the NFL game. Now, I realize the game has changed a little bit less uh, uh, physical with a lot more flags and things like that. But what is Devontae Smith really weighing? Are, are we buying that he's 175 pounds? I mean, we've all seen this guy, right? This guy is an absolute toothpick. Um, not to say, again, he's not a good player, and I think he will be a good pro. But when we look at the top 10 and the current draft order, of course there can be trades. You know, maybe the Jets trade down or something like that. But if he doesn't go to the Eagles at 6, which he absolutely could, where he's, I can't see him going to the top 10. we got Detroit number 7. Potentially a need with Kenny Galladay maybe not being re-signed, but you talk about Dan Campbell talking about, uh, you know, he wants guys that are going to bite guys' kneecaps. So I think his first pick is going to be a skinny wide receiver. Uh, then we got Carolina at eight, who is a candidate to move up, but they have two very good receivers. And then nine and ten, we've got, um, you know, Denver, who, who took two receivers pretty early last year with Judy and Hamler. And then ten, we got, you know, a very loaded 
um, receiving squad that took a first uh, a receiver first round last year in C.D. Lamb. So um, certainly I think he can go to the Giants at 11. Um, but just when you look at the positional value, I don't really see it there. He is a really good player, though, and his wingspan kind of makes up for a lot of that. He's got great contact balance and agility, especially for a guy his size. Um, but I just don't see him going in the top 10. The reason this kind of blew up is because when I tweeted, I can't see a team spending a top 10 pick on a 175-pound receiver. Um, it was right before his third touchdown in the national championship game. So I was just been barbecued uh, by Twitter users uh, for days uh, after that happened. But I think in the end, I'm going to end up being right because, uh, you know, the the, top, the draft is, you know, you draft for traits, um, not necessarily production. I think that he has a lot of production. I think he has some traits for sure. Or he has a lot of traits, but the physical profile doesn't really match up with a top 10 pick. Well, here's the thing, because uh, that's two different conversations. Will he go in the top 10 versus would you take him in the top 10? Correct. And, you know, I'm the person that, that listen, you, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree with the whole uh, size thing. I'm team size is not a skill. If you're good enough, you're big enough. So um, I just watched him dominate, you know, at, at whatever weight he is uh, at Alabama. You know, teams going into the game thinking they can get a hand on him, but you can't hit what you can't catch. You can't hurt what you can't touch. They had a hard time at the line of scrimmage getting their hands on Devonta Smith, juxtaposed to a guy that's I have as a flanker that had issues when people got their hands on him. We didn't see that with, with Smith. So I'm not too particularly worried about that. Uh, we saw Marvin Harrison at Syracuse had the same kind of questions, and he was about 171 pounds, you know, yeah. with pads on, double knee pads and double thigh pads in his pants. So uh, it's all about how you play. Um, you're a Bucks fan. Warg Dunn was 178 yep. pounds and ran for over 10,000 yards. He should be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you're good enough, you're big enough. And if you allow your – because we see some big guys that can't get off bump press or can't win downfield or can't do anything that you would expect a physical guy to do. And, you know, I grew up, we call those dudes big for nothing, right? Um, you, know, you can't get rebounds. You, know? <laughs> so, uh, you see that a lot, man. And, and so, But, but I, listen, when you look at Smith – I, I feel you like, man, this dude don't have no muscles, no calves. How is he able to win? He should be able to be broken in half. So I understand the sentiment, but I think for him, he's able to find ways to win at, at his size. All right, we gotta get we go. We gotta get to some other guys. Okay. I mean, yep, yep. We're seventeen minutes in, we haven't <laughs> even gotten Stevens' best uh, best split end yet. Who? I know you despise Devontae Smith. I'm just kidding. You didn't say no, it at all. I, right, I, right. Can. I think he's going to be a good player. I just don't see him going. I know, I know, I know. But who is your uh, who is your favorite split end? Uh, it's a guy that didn't play this year. It's Jamar Chase. Um, I mean, this is a guy who, um, you know, he, he's right up there with Smith. You can make the argument 1A, 1B. Um, definitely more of a physical profile. Um, but he, he's just that guy so physical, and he's killed, killed Big-time NFL guys. I mean, C.J. Henderson, A.J. Terrell, J.C. Horn is probably going to be a first-round pick this year. Trayvon Diggs, I mean, he's a man among boys. He was the number one receiver with Justin Jefferson on the team. I mean, Justin Jefferson is, you know, the best rookie wide receiver statistically we've seen maybe ever. Um, I mean, he's legit. I, I, I just made this big argument about how you don't pick receivers high, but Justin Jefferson – or, sorry um, – uh, Jamar Chase is legit guy you can pick in the top 10 because he has that production and he has the physical profile and, you know, his tape is there. I mean, he's just killing guys. Um, he's a guy that I would prefer as, um, you know, the starting X if I were starting a team like this. 
All right, let's get to flanker, Emery, and I want to know who your top flanker is in this year's draft. It's Jalen Waddle at Alabama, but to, to Steven's point, um, Chase is my number two flanker because I just like how fluid that dude is. That dude just like, here's like watching Penny Hardaway play football uh, <laughs> when you watch Jamar Chase. But when you look at Jalen Waddle, uh, Waddle's speed does not make sense. You know, it's it's Joy Galloway-like explosiveness. It's Rocket Ishmael-type speed in football pads when you're talking about Jalen Waddle. He can really hit that second gear. And you give him any type of play, whether it's a, in the – uh, the wide receiver run game or, you know, in these short, quick passes, he can literally literally go uh, the distance on any play. And so when you have that able that ability to ring the cash register up pretty quickly, I want you on my football team. I just think that he is one of the more polished guys at that position, uh, considering he didn't get a lot of targets, uh, you know, because of what's going on at Alabama with all the targets and, you know, you have Harris in the backfield. So he did more with fewer targets in his, um, you know, at, at, in Alabama, at Alabama, but he is tremendous. And I hope that ankle injury doesn't linger because what we saw in that championship game was that was brutal to see him limp. I hope that doesn't affect him moving forward and we can get see him pre-injury at the NFL level. What about you at, at the uh, flanker position, Steven? Yeah, I mean – Jalen Waddle for sure. I mean, if you can't get hands on this guy at the line of scrimmage, that's going to be a huge problem. Um, but what kind of separates him, you know, obviously Emory's talking about, uh, you know, his speed. He does have this tremendous ability to like gear down and then gear up to top speed faster than anyone around him. Um, like kind of a car, you know, you see, uh, you know, I drive a <laughs> I drive a Hyundai Elantra. That going zero to sixty is much different than you know I'm sure like a Ferrari or a BMW or something like that. Um, that's kind of what you see with Jalen Waddle. But what makes him so interesting is he's also, despite his size, and he's a guy who's just under five ten, like a little over 180 pounds. He's a guy who can make contested catches too. I mean, he's made uh, he made ten contested ten contested catches on 15 opportunities, um, and he's a guy that can go get the ball. Uh, so he's an interesting guy despite the size, you know, you see him able to, you know, get in on breaks. Um, he brings tremendous value as a returner, uh, but he can also, you know, go get those jump balls. Let's move on to slot. Again, we, we talked earlier about the difference between slot and inside. Who's your top slot guy, Emery? It's Tutu Atwell. And for someone like he, you talk about someone that's, that's thin. I mean, yeah. He is legitimately built like a, a eighth grader, but you know <laughs> the dude has speed that can he can get legitimately anywhere he wants on the football field. Like if he wants to get to that far corner from the far right hash, he can get there quickly. Um, but also like what you talked about with someone like Waddle. To be quite honest, Atwell, despite being small, doesn't play small at the catch point. So he's going up and trying to win those those balls at, at you know above the rim. Um, he's able to, to absorb contact while catching the football. He is tremendous. So I think he is the quintessential slot receiver. He's probably more of the deep threat from the slot position uh, than what you'll see normally. Uh, normally slot guys, you don't have the uh, the deep speed. You have more quick, shifty guys. But goodness, when they want that deep over route, they dial up 2-2 Atwell, and he's able to win that one consistently. Steven? Yeah, for the slot, uh, I – Tutu Atwell is certainly uh, a choice you can go with. Um, I, I prefer Elijah Moore. Um, 
also a small guy. He's 5'9", 185. Um, but just like a ton of, and you know, I'm kind of going uh, against my argument before, but as far as like traits for production, production was incredible this year. Uh, I mean, he was part of that, you know, lane train offense where they just kind of fed him. Uh, he had double digit catches in eight of his nine games this year. Um, but what I like about him is, you know, despite his size profile, again, he's like 5'9", 185. He's not like one of these, and we 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 see a lot of these guys, especially coming out this year, which is what I was talking about, kind of the fork in the road with, with with receivers coming out. He's not one of these gadget guys that you like have to manufacture targets for. Now they did do that; they did line him up, uh, you know, wildcat quarterback sometimes in the backfield. But he's a guy that runs, uh, you know, routes down the field and is very effective at it. He's not, you know, uh, he's not going to burn up the, you know, what would be the combine with, you know, sub 4-4 speed or anything like that. But he is a fast guy and quick out of his breaks um, and has a lot of good on-ball production that was encouraging. So um, I like him as uh, the slot. Yeah, more more is like the perfect third down back because what you say, you put him in the backfield. I, I could tell he has running back in his background, how natural he is running the football from that position. Yeah. Okay, let's get to uh, your inside guy. Emory, again, this is the bigger guy that plays inside, not necessarily the shifty slot guy. Frank Darby of Arizona State for 6'1", 200 pounds, or whatever his size is, his true size is, he has great body control. So anything on those blaze outs, those you know speed outs, bench routes, whatever you want to call it, he runs those routes very well. So he's able to win uh, consistently there. Uh, he's very good as far as the catch point is concerned. So he's good enough to where you're going to have to find help to help your cornerback over the you know the middle of the field. If you want to line him up outside, you can. He's a solid red zone threat. I just don't think he's that much of a run after the catch guy. Is like where he catches the football, that's where he's going to be. Um, but as far as catching the football, getting open, body control, all those traits, he has those. I think he was the best one, in my opinion, uh, at that position in his class. Steven? Yeah, so um... – Emery, I like the way that you kind of delineated these because, yeah, the inside is a lot different from the slot when you're typically speaking about size size and traits and things like that. Um, for inside, I like a guy um, who actually is like uh, a guy that went through his home, or his current college, um, but Amon St. Brown. He actually reminds me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster as far as size and kind of what he brings to the table. 6'1", 195. Didn't play a ton of games this year, just six games. But last year, um, over 1,000 yards, uh, about half a dozen touchdowns. Uh, he's a guy that can, you know, line up inside uh, and kind of dominate over the middle of the field. He's not going to, you know, take the top off the defense. But he's a good run blocker. Um, he's a guy that I like. Uh, former five-star guy, so, you know, high ceiling there. Um, but Amonra St. Brown is a guy that I would take on the inside. So I met him, and I called his game in the U.S. Army Bowl. And uh, what I would say about Amon Ra is very, very confident. Like, I mean, he is tough. in every ass, like, he's going to block. I don't think he's that physically gifted. He's just good and tough and mean. And uh, I was impressed by him. I was impressed by his mentality all right let's get to uh the emory specials i call them steven the guys that hardly any only their parents and emory know about them but they're good we'll start with the most underrated this guy can actually fly i did his game against ub this guy is a big play dude isaiah mccoy from kent state yeah i was surprised at how dynamic this dude was he caught my attention last year in that bowl game uh, against Utah State, I believe. And I was like, man, this dude is just 
ridiculous. And he's 6'3", 200 pounds, so he has that height, weight, speed, size profile that people uh, love. But how he tracks the football, to me, makes him a deep threat. You know, it's never about your speed. It's about how well you can go get the ball uh, and put yourself in position to go get the ball. And he does that better than I believe than most people in this class. But he is able to attack at his highest point. He reminds me a lot of Antonio Bryant uh, and how he used to just attack the ball. Everything's just violent with him and just physical. And you need that type of dog out there on the perimeter. That's why I'm, I'm a big fan of his game. So my uh, second year in the NFL, I started the last seven games for the Cowboys at left guard in 2002. Antonio Bryant was a rookie, and he was good, really good. But he would – that guy had something going on. He would get on the bus before the game, listen to music, and it'd be like, don't care whether we win or lose, just going to get all my catches, going to get my money. <laughs> I mean, that guy, I'd be fascinated to hear what he's doing now. Uh, who you got for most underrated, Steven? Um, I like a guy out of UNC. It's Diami Brown, uh, 6'1", 185. Um, he's put together back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. But what's extra impressive about him is he's averaging 20 yards per catch in both, in both seasons. Uh, he's a junior. I like him coming out. Um, he's just got a little bit of wiggle, uh, and you know, he can make those contested catches. So he's a guy that I like as kind of an underrated guy. I haven't seen him mocked particularly high. Um, but I think he's a guy that more people should be talking about. UNC, they got like two awesome running backs. They got that Dax Newsom. I mean, they got a bunch of good, like they got a lot of dudes. Um, all right. What about your small school sleeper, Emery? This school quietly has been a little pro factory the last three years, man, with the dudes they put out defensively and on offense. This year, Mike Strong, the receiver, 6'5", 225. Now, when you watch small school games, you look at someone and you immediately want to see someone stand out. You watch him, you're like, man, this dude look like Joel Embiid out there. This dude (laughs) is the biggest dude on the field. And and so he's 6'5", but he can run. Um, and he could play on the outside. He could play that inside receiver position as well. Uh, he goes and plays above the rim. Uh, he's a 50-50 target. And the dude actually can run after the catch. I just – he opted out this year because obviously their uh, their school didn't play. Charleston didn't play. But Charleston has so many other prospects as well. Uh, we'll be talking about two more next year. But this dude here fits the physical profile. He was on the senior bowl watch list. Um, and so he is one that the league is definitely familiar with. How about you? Um, so I'm going to, I don't know how small we can go here, but I went to Conference USA, North Texas, the mean green, uh, Jalen Darden. Uh, he's another kind of a smallish wide receiver. Again, there's a lot of these, you know, 5'9", 5'10", guys. He's 5'9", 175 pounds, uh, but he's a monster. I mean, Conference USA, um, uh, he had a touchdown in every game for the mean green this year. Uh, three-game stretch, 36 catches, 552 yards, and five touchdowns. Again, his physical profile, 5'9", 175. It's going to limit him a little bit. Um, but he's just a guy production-wise that that was dominant. Um, I, I think he definitely has a ceiling on the next level, especially you know, kind of getting off press and things like that. Um, but he, he's a guy, a small school guy, that I, that I like to go and make a roster and maybe have a small impact. Last but not least, who was your biggest surprise watching him on tape, Emery? Uh, there were two guys. You look at Kawan Baker from South Alabama, you know, him and Austin Watkins from UAB. Uh, both guys are explosive off the ball, so they can really get out there and get into their routes 
pretty quickly and get open and separate. So those traits alone translate. But you also see a path for those guys being stud gunners uh, at the pro level because of that explosiveness and speed. And when you have that ability to get on the field first as a rookie wide receiver, normally it takes rookie wide receivers a little bit of time to, to really make their way. But because they're so explosive and dynamic off the ball, they can make waves right away as gunners and then earning some more time on the field in which those skills will translate. But both of those receivers are tremendous athletes that can catch the ball, they can get deep, but I think they can make their impacts early on special teams. And Steven, your your biggest surprise, you already talked about him, Elijah yeah, Moore. It, it's Elijah Moore, just because, um, again, like maybe I, I just have, uh, you know, uh, bad recall from like Tavon Austin and smaller guys who, you know, you have high hopes for because they're so explosive. You can get in a breaks. Uh, you can manufacture touches with them or they can run routes. Um, but I've never been, you know, a guy to pick. Uh, you never want to pick the the exceptions because then you just have a team full of exceptions. Um, but he's a guy that despite that smallish frame, you know, uh, half my top 10 uh, board on my receivers is under six feet tall. So he's my second highest ranked one after Waddle. Because, again, he breaks the mold of, you know, the typical gadget guy. Like Kadarius Toney, um, you know, he's a guy that is so fascinating to watch running routes, you know, against uh, one-on-one uh, corners or against, you know, air because he can just move so differently. Um, but as far as, like, production in-game, um, Elijah Moore, uh, he just kind of, you know, is, is a different guy, runs routes down the field, and is a receiver. He's a, he's a playmaker. Uh, he's, he's a guy that really surprised me just because based on the physical profile, I was like, all right, this is going to be another one of these, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10 five, guys who, you know, that, you know not going to go get it. They're going to manufacture touch with some of all these touch passes. Um, but he's a different guy. This was awesome. Here's what everybody needs to do. Check out Steven on Twitter, at Steven Che. It's C-H-E-A-H. He's got an awesome podcast, at Going Deep, which he said like a year ago he'd have me on as a guest. Evidently, I haven't made the cut. Although, I got to be honest with you, they have like legit like active NFL players all the time. I'm, I'm like low on their pecking order right now. We will absolutely uh, have you on, buddy. Awesome. I can't wait. And of course, Emery's just the man with the plan. You got it. I mean, look, anybody that references Joey Galloway and Rocket Ismail when they're referencing one player and then Antonio Bryant when they're referencing another player, that is why he's my guy right there. At F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube, and most importantly, get it now. It's the perfect time to get it. FootballGamePlan.com slash 2021 draft guide the keg is kicked we are all tapped out thanks for listening to the college draft podcast make sure to also subscribe to the ross tucker football podcast fantasy feast even money and the business of sports all available at apple podcasts ross or wherever podcasts can be found